It is party time, Mom. At least it is here in the Mothership, which is Studio 22. Uh, If you look at the world today, it might not be quite such a party. Uh, I think we have crossed over into the threshold of the third level of hell in many cases, especially after watching last week's confirmation hearings with Amy Coney Barrett and the mundane insanity that ensued there. Uh, and then you see what all is going on in the streets, the riots, the looting, people getting killed, literally losing their lives over causes and ideologies. And today we are going to take a look at some of the things that are not only causing that, but I want to talk about the basis for which all of these things are happening philosophically. So I'm going to encourage all of the listeners, all of you out there, to put on your thinking caps because we're going to we're going to dive in. And what I want to be able to do for you is provide some arguments, okay? Let's face it, these days it seems like it doesn't matter if you're at a family reunion, Thanksgiving, Christmas dinner, it seems like if you're with family and friends, the argument is going to happen, right? The debates are going to rise up. Had a friend the other day who said, hey, you and I can continue to be friends as long as we never discuss politics, which was an interesting thing because I've never discussed politics with him ever in my life. Uh, He's the one who brought the subject up. But whenever I approached it back and responded to him, that was the response I got. So we're all people can count, you know, how many friends and family members they've lost on social media because of disagreements with politics. And I agree with the late. Andrew Breitbart, who says, whenever you are having a debate, you don't respond, you attack. You take the debate to them. So I'm going to give you a little bit of fuel for it. Uh, Maybe cause a little strife in your life by giving you some arguments to make. But I want to talk about what I consider to be the religion of socialism. And what is happening in our world today is a direct result of the underpinnings philosophically of what is fueling today's cry for socialism. Uh, I, I never in a million years would have thought that we as Americans would be calling for a, a socialist economy or a socialist society. And you can couch it in whatever terms you want to. You can call it a democratic socialist economy. You can call it democratic socialist. You can call it uh, social democrats. Anything you want to do. Ultimately, at the end of the day, the foundation is socialism. So I got Candice, the queen of the Ethiopians, and Chance, the soulless ginger rapper sitting over there. I'm going to bore them today and see what's going on. But I want you to be shook, guys. I want you guys to understand what's happening in the world around you. Why it's happening and give you a defense for uh what you believe and that is if you believe these things there may be some folks out there who who see themselves as maybe leaning a little more towards progressive socialism or progressive leftism and i want to really discuss those isms with you and see if we can't uh ruin your life basically by uh, giving you all the arguments that you need um it's going to be fun, and <laughs> I just want you to—I just want you to walk with me through this little journey. Before we get into it today, uh, I want to remind you guys about our good friends at Home Title Lock. This and cybercrimes become a major deal, major, major deal because what's happening is. 
your legal title to your home, to your house, it's digitized, it's kept on government and business servers in the cloud, kept online, and they're very easy to hack, very easy to find, especially for a cyber thief who finds your home ti- home's title, forges your signature on a quick claim deed stating you sold your home to them, and boom, it's done. The house is now in their name. And they take out loans against your home. They take out your equity. And they're going to leave you in debt, leave you with possible foreclosure, and suddenly your safe haven, your home, is taken away from you. You don't even know that it's happened to you until the collection calls start pouring in. Uh, you're not protected by identity theft services. You're not protected by your insurance. There is no mortgage company that can protect this. Your bank uh, all of that, they can't help you. But we got Home Title Lock, and Home Title Lock protects you. Home Title Lock is going to put a virtual barrier around your home's title, and as soon as they detect any tampering, they are going to work to shut it down cold. So I want you to go to our friends at HomeTitleLock.com, HomeTitleLock.com, register your address. They will tell you if you're already a victim. If someone is already stolen your, uh, basically stealing the identity of your home and making it their own, I want you to use code RADIO when you're there for 30 free days of Home Title Lock protection. That's code RADIO when you go to HomeTitleLock.com. When we come back, socialism is where we're flying into in the mothership. Be right back. We're headed into the nether regions, and I mean nether regions today. When you start talking about socialism and and things like that, it starts to get a little bit scary. And I know what everybody's thinking. You already know what I'm going to say. You don't, okay? I'm going to to give you some some big words, some ten-cent words, and we're going to understand why America is going the direction that it's going today, why it tends to, why we're seeing a lot of the younger generation who, who seem to just sort of be floating out there in a direction that America has never gone, and why there are people out there who get angry if you push back on it. And I'm going to tell you why they get angry when they get pushed back. Why can't we have a civil debate anymore on political discourse? I'm going to explain that to you. I'm going to help you understand the angst, the anger, the the, the uh, frustration and the confusion that's going on with people, because let's face it, we can't go online. We can't express a political opinion. We can't have any form of differing view without the up yours, go to hells, kiss my and the FUs being thrown at us, hurled at us. And people, the keyboard warriors who are hiding in their anonymity somewhere in the basement, typing out these insults with their Machiavellian complex are really just trying to see how far they can push it with their insults and their diatribes that that rather than make an educated argument or have an educated discourse or debate, which is what our country was founded on, that ability to dialogue and disagree and still get along, people have have lost their minds when it comes to this. So I'm going to tell you why they do those things, and it's going to help you understand, because at the end of the day, it is a religious conviction. And I know that you're going to say, well, people out there, I, I don't I don't believe in religion, or I don't have any religious conviction. That is simply not true. You've heard me say it over and over again. You have a religious conviction. Now, it might not be a Christian religion or, or a Jewish religion or any form of Buddhist or Taoist or Muslim uh, religion that's organized 
organized in any way, but you have a religion. There is something out there that you worship, and we're going to get into it. Candace, and I want to talk to you for a second. Pull that microphone over there close to you, Candice, yes. queen of the Ethiopians. Hi, I worship you. How about that? That's that's all I care about. Thank you. Now, f- coming from a younger generation. Yes, I'll claim that. Yeah, you are, you are definitely coming from a younger generation. Uh, <laughs> how prevalent? Do you feel that this idea of socialism, or if you want to call it democratic so- socialism, how has it uh, been embraced by the the younger generation? I think wholeheartedly without question, which is kind of the problem. Um, I think our generation, speaking for me, they don't ask a lot of questions. It's more of like follow the the crowd, follow what's hip and that could really lead us down a very bad road come November 3rd. No question about that. Um, let, let me just kind of sum it up for you. This was, this was and, and there was a guy who, who uh, there used to be this group, Candace, called the Beatles. And uh, there was a guy who was their lead singer. His name was John Lennon. I know you've probably never heard of any of that. No, that was a little before my time. A, a lot before your time. Yeah. Uh, but John Lennon... He wrote and sang a song called Imagine. And we remember Gal Gadot, who they kind of did their little celebrity rendition of Imagine for social media back when they were talking about uh, people quarantining and looking out for each other and all these things. Uh, you remember that little that little thing that happened on social media? And they it I, didn't go as planned. I'll just put it that way. Exactly. Um, the, and and it, the funny thing about the song Imagine is it really pushes a socialist ideology or utopian ideal for what the world should be it says imagine there's no heaven it's easy if you try no hell below us above us only sky imagine all the people living for today imagine there's no countries it isn't hard to do nothing to kill or die for and no religion to imagine all the people living life in peace you may say I'm a dreamer, but I'm not the only one. I hope someday you'll join us and the world will be as one. Doesn't that sound nice? That sounds fantastic, doesn't it? I mean, that just sounds like something that everybody ought to have uh, and embrace. And, and when you couch it in terms like that, when you say imagine there's no possessions, I wonder if you can, no need for greed or hunger, a brotherhood of man, imagine all the people sharing all the world. You may say, I'm a dreamer. I'm not the only one. I hope someday you'll join us and the world will live as one. I hope someday you'll join us. So you're the problem. You're the one who has failed to embrace this this utopian society that John Lennon imagined. Okay? You need to imagine along with us. Now, the problem with that is history. And these days, people don't want to talk about history because history is offensive. Uh, If you look at any person that's lived in history, you have to learn to interpret those people in light of the times in which they lived. Now, at the turn of the 20th century, from, from, from the 19th to the 20th century, there was an idea, post-Civil War, there was an idea that men were getting better. In fact, in the, the ni- early 1900s, the, the aughts, if you will, uh, there was a saying that in every day and in every way, I'm getting better. 
In fact, they encouraged people to look into a mirror and say that to themselves 20 times a day. Every day in every way, I'm getting better. So when World War I happened, the men who marched to World War I actually celebrated this idea of going off to war because they thought that they were going to do something great for the world. They had no idea the horrors that were coming because war had not been fought the way that it was in World War One. prior to that, okay? You know, prior to that, their experience with war was you walked out, you had, uh, you had a rifle, you had a musket, you lined up in a battlefield, you shot the cannons, and that's what happened. In World War One. They, they, they dug into trenches. There was mustard gas. So there was chemical warfare. There was uh, aerial warfare. There was a lot of bloodshed. There were, there were it was just absolutely hor- horrific hand-to-hand combat in that France itself still to this day in 2020, in the 21st century, France to this day still has a problem in that they've had a shortage of men for the last hundred years because they lost 10 million men in World War One. You know why it was so easy for Hitler and, and Hitler's Germany to come in and invade Paris and to come in and occupy France? There weren't men to defend France because they lost so many of them in World War One. So man was not getting better. Men, in actually, in actuality, World War I proved that men were getting worse. Man's inhumanity to man was on full display. So there was no, there was no imagining that there's no heaven or imagining that there's no country. So it totally disproves this idea of John Lennon's song, Imagine. You can't you can imagine all you want, but reality says something very different. And that's what history shows us for thousands of years in the development of Western civilization is that men have not been good to other men. The reason man is not good to man is is several, several reasons, okay? One, there are religious reasons, there are philosophical reasons, there are existential reasons. Now, I want to talk to you about this idea of existentialism. All right. Now, if you if you're starting to nod off, listen to me, guys, pay attention, pay attention to what I'm about to tell you, because if you're going to understand socialism, there's some other isms that you're going to have to understand. Existentialism. I keep hearing Candace and and, uh, Chance, I keep hearing people talk about this existential crisis, these politicians who are running. I heard Kamala Harris uh, get asked the question the other night, and uh, Mike Pence the other night in the vice presidential debates, the moderator talked about this existential crisis, climate change being an existential crisis. If I were sitting there in the debate seat, guys, what I would have said was, okay, Miss Moderator, Would you please define for me what an existential crisis is? Because I don't think most people in the world understand what existentialism even means. Now, existentialism is something that pervades our society. It's a philosophy that emphasizes individual existence, individual freedom, and individual choice. So it's all about the individual and his existence, existentialism. All right. It's the view that humans define their own meaning meaning in life and try to make rational decisions despite existing in an irrational universe. So this universe is marshaled against you. It's up to you, the individual, to make these rational decisions, rational choices, and focus on the question of human existence and feeling that ultimately there's no purpose for living. There's no reason for living. There's no explanation at the core of our existence. There's no God. Religion is all false. 
There's no transcendent force. What do I mean by that? There's no force that's larger than you guiding this world, guiding this universe. The only way to counter this nothingness, this this meaninglessness of living is to embrace that existence. You've got to embrace the meaninglessness. The only way to find meaning is to embrace the meaninglessness. Meaninglessness. So therefore, you become, in essence, the only one that you're accountable to. Does that make sense? You're the only one. You're the final authority. So if your existence is what you have to embrace, I don't know why I'm here. You know, Rene Descartes said, cognito ergo sum. I think, therefore I am. The only reason that I even know I exist is because I think. So existence Existentialism believes that the individual, that you and I are entirely free. You got to take personal responsibility for yourself. You got to do it no matter how frustrating it can be, no matter how meaningless life is. It, you got to take action with your freedom, make the decision, and your decision ultimately matters for everything. Now, the problem with that is, the problem with all of that stuff is, um, well, if my decision is what matters, Candace's decision is what matters, Chance's decision is what matters, then it doesn't matter <laughs> if our ideas and decisions and thought processes conflict with one another. It's okay for them to contradict. That's why you have Oprah and so many people out there saying, well, you need to embrace your truth. And we talk about my truth because that's existentialism in essence of what it is. I have my truth. You have your truth. Um, I have complete freedom. I have complete choice. That word choice gets thrown around a whole lot. You can't tell me what I can do with my body. It's my body, my choice. You can't tell me what gender I am. You can't tell me uh, what I'm going to do with my life. It's my choice and my choice, no matter what I do, is the right one. So existentialism has now become a movement that that describes those who refuse to belong to any school of thought we don't we don't we we don't have um we repudiate the adequacy of any body of beliefs or systems so there's no religion as i said the church is useless uh we don't embrace traditional philosophies let me tell you another thing we don't do uh things like language Nope, we interpret language however we want to. We have our own vocabulary, and whatever we choose to say, uh, whatever we choose to say, can we can add our own meaning to it. So therefore, I can redefine words like marriage. It doesn't matter what marriage has meant historically. I can now make the choice to make it determine or, or determine that it's going to mean whatever I want it to mean. Why? Because I'm, I'm living in existential existence. And it doesn't matter what level of debauchery I engage in. It doesn't matter if I make reckless decisions. I can sleep with who I want to sleep with. I can drink what I want. I can smoke what I want. I can take whatever drugs I want. I can live recklessly. There is no freaking speed limit in this life because I'm the one who existentially makes my decisions and my decisions are right. So toss the laws out. The laws of human nature, the laws of physical and natural, the natural world, they don't apply to me. They don't apply to me. I can live like a complete and total anarchist. You heard that word, right? Why is it so easy for people to take to the streets? Why is it so easy for people to go out and riot, loot, and burn? Because ultimately, it doesn't matter. That's how I choose to express my meaning in the midst of an existential society.
We're going to get into that, and I'm going to break it down a little bit more. Do you know what big tech and big government have in common? They both want to silence any dissenting voices into submission. Let's say you're a proud gun owner, and you want to talk on social media about the right to bear arms. Well, chances are that your post is going to be flagged by a content moderator, and you might end up on some kind of government watch list. I'm going to help you with that. To fight back against having your voice censored by both big tech and big government, I want to express, I want to, I want to recommend ExpressVPN. They are who I use, and you know I'm online a lot. So the problem with big tech is not only do they attempt to censor you, but they also track what you do online, the things you're searching for, the videos you watch, and everything you click. They can match your activity and your true identity using your device's unique IP address. So when I use ExpressVPN, they can't see my IP address at all. My identity is anonymized, uh, anonymized by secure VPN server. Plus, ExpressVPN is going to encrypt 100% of my internet data for protection from hackers and eavesdroppers. It's by far the best VPN. In fact, CNET called it number one. Uh, Wired and countless other tech publications rated it one. And uh, I, the thing I love about ExpressVPN is how simple it is to use. You just hit one button and you are protected. So go to expressvpn.com slash watch chad that's e-x-p-r-e-s-s-v-p-n.com slash watch chad get three months free visit expressvpn.com slash watch chad to learn more be right back Isms. You talk about existentialism, you talk about socialism, anything that you can put an ism to the end of, uh, it gets troublesome because it goes from being an ideology to an activist standpoint. It becomes activism. Uh, you activate something in society that has potentially some philosophical detrimental consequences, right? So if you start walking, let's let's say that you're walking in a straight line. I come up beside you, and I just bump you a little bit off course. I don't have to bump you by much. Let's just say by one degree, I bump you off course, but you continue walking in a straight line. That one bump off course the further you go, the further you're going to be away from your destination because you've now veered off course. Isms have a tendency to do that because when you embrace a certain ideology and something that has been released into culture and into society and you start chasing that thing, it can lead you away from the goal that you actually intend to reach because you've gotten so clouded in your vision with that ism that it becomes uh, actually misleading, quite literally. So I want to talk to you about the next thing. We talked about existentialism, this idea that I exist and my meaning is all that ultimately matters because everything else is meaningless. So I have to embrace my meaningless in order to get meaning out of life. Okay. Now, at the end of the 20th century, the end of the 20th century, we moved from what, what they call a modern modernist society over to a philosophy of postmodernism. Now, postmodernism is hard to define. Now, remember, we've already embraced existentialism. So if our existence is meaningless, well, then the philosophy by which we operate our lives can be meaningless as well. And so existentialism tends to be a little bit meaningless, not a little bit, a lot, because even the greatest experts and philosophers, they struggle to find a definition for this concept of postmodernism. But me being a good redneck, I'm at least going to try. So postmodernism 
Postmodernism is characterized by a broad skepticism, subjectivism, notice all the isms, or relativism. It's a general suspicion of reason and an acute sensitivity to the role of ideology in asserting and maintaining political and economic power. So this idea of politics, the idea of political figures, this idea of people who tell you what to do, there is immediately a suspicion of all of that stuff. There's a suspicion of history. There's a suspicion of philosophy. There is a certain suspicion of things like theology, economies they become uh, very difficult to understand because postmodernism has become a reaction against the intellectual assumptions and values of the modern period in the history of western philosophy which of course is between the 17th and 19th century so many of the doctrines characteristically associated with postmodernism describe the straightforward denial of general philosophical viewpoints that were taken for granted during the 18th century enlightenment so you can take history you can take philosophy you can take Western civilization, the thing that shaped us, and throw it all out the window. Because now, I not only define my own meaning, which is actually meaningless, I define the things which can be believed. So when you factor in things like let's say language. Language becomes very difficult. We can redefine words freely and ad hoc because we don't have anything to guide us. We're suspicious of the rules. We're, Candace, please tell me that I'm making some kind of sense with this thing here because it's so important that we understand, especially in the world of language. You hear what I'm saying? She's not here. Oh, she's gone. Okay, good. <laughs> See, I already ran her off. So language refers to, in, in the world of existentialism, language refers to and represents a reality outside itself. According to postmodernists, language is not such a mirror of nature as the American pragmatist uh, philosopher Richard Rorty characterized the Enlightenment view. Instead, Ferdinand de Saussure said, uh, postmodernists claim that language is semantically self-contained or self-referential. The meaning of a word is not a static thing in the world or even an idea in the mind, but rather a range of contrasts and differences with the meanings of other words. Because meanings are, in this sense, functions of other meanings. They're never fully present to the speaker or hearer, but are endlessly deferred. What does all that mean? I can change the meaning of a word at any time. I can redefine marriage. I can redefine an unborn baby call it a fetus. I can call him or her a fetus. See, I just accidentally use the word it in referring to an unborn baby. That violates my worldview. But in a postmodern society, it doesn't matter because I can call that unborn child a protoplasmic blob. I can call it a clump of cells. See, I did it again. I called it it an it. <laughs> See how I'm doing this, Chance? See how quickly and easily we revert to that because we've been so saturated with postmodern thought. So let's enter into let's enter into one of the biggest isms that out that's out there. If I want to take something from history and redefine it to fit my purpose, because let's face it. Life's meaningless, right? Existentially, life is meaningless. So I've got to do something in this one life that I have in order to make sure that it is fulfilling and everything is taken care of for me. Because there's no afterlife. There's nothing to work towards. 
When I'm dead, I'm dead. I just turn to dust. I become worm food. So I better make sure that in my 70 to 80 years here on planet Earth, barring any accidents or mishaps or illness, I got to make sure that I live the most fulfilling life in the midst of my meaninglessness that is possible. So now I need to make sure that I define things that are fulfilling for me. Now, I can do that because with postmodernism, I can make language become anything I want it to become. I can make it say what I need it to say in order to fill my meaninglessness. Are you following me so far? I hope that you are because this is important. So, I can come up with theological ideas. I can come up with historical ideas. I can come up with um, uh, sociological ideas. For instance, how I relate to other people. I can redefine all of those things. I can change politics. Political ideas can become what I need them to be so that now politics becomes self-serving for me and for those around me, and I can define things any way that I want to in order to make sure that my meaningless life gets taken care of and provided for by for it's anything I just listed, specifically politics for the sake of this discussion. That's where socialism comes in. That's where this idea of socialism comes in. If if my life is meaningless, then I should be able to use the government to provide as much for me and for mine as is humanly possible because this is the only life I've got. I haven't accomplished everything that I want to accomplish. I have certain basic needs that fulfill my life, and therefore I should be able to demand that the government provide for me. At the end of the day, socialism has been the thing that man has gravitated towards in the last 200 years in order to fulfill that existential and postmodern need. Now, what do I mean by that? Because you take socialism. We hear that term. What is it? It's associated with the concept that the public or the collective of society, they have the ownership of property and all the natural resources. They're the ones who provide for everyone. They're the ones who take care of you. If you want health care, you should be able to have that. If you want to have property, you should be able to have that. If you want to be uh, taking care of cradle to grave, then a socialist society should be able to provide for that. It is John Lennon's utopia. Imagine there's no possessions. Why? Because we all own it all together. That is the collective. We're going to get into the dangers of that and how how philosophically it becomes absolutely deadly to people's lives. Have you noticed that your hair isn't looking as full as it used to? Losing your hair, it isn't any fun. So I want you to talk about, I want to talk about some options. You can go to the doctor. Uh, your hair loss treatment prescription is going to cost you an arm and a leg after they prescribe that. When you go to the pharmacy, you're going to go broke just trying not to go bald. So you can try keeps, and this is what I want to encourage you to do. Sit right down there on your couch, sit in your Sit in your recliner and go to keeps.com slash loss. You're going to get the same doctor-recommended FDA-approved hair loss treatment, but Keeps is going to offer the generic versions for about half the cost. And the other thing you're going to love about Keeps, it's all online. Answer a few questions, snap a couple of pictures of your head, send it in to them, and a doctor who is licensed is going to review your information, recommend the right hair loss treatment for you. It's going to be shipped directly to your door. Don't make the unnecessary trips or the expensive trips uh, to the doctor and to the pharmacy. Just go to Keeps 
keeps.com, K-E-E-P-S.com slash loss. You'll get 50% off your first order of Keeps Hair Loss Treatments. That's keeps.com slash loss. We'll be right back. So if I'm going if I'm going to tell you honestly, honestly, what socialism is, I have to tell you that ultimately, regardless of how you try to define it in your existential way, in your postmodern world, you can't just apply meaning to something without taking the historical context of it. Socialism has always been the baby brother that ultimately grow or the, the little kid that grows up to be communism and communism as we all know is something that killed over 125 million people in the 20th century alone communism is something that's never truly been realized is it a great idea where people don't have possessions and everybody's taken care of by the government and in the economic system uh, it, absolutely it's it's a fantastic idea but let me call it back to the fact that men are not good to other men there will always be somebody who takes the system and abuses it for their own power and subjugates other people you can't have you can't you can't have an omelet unless you break a few eggs and a lot of eggs are justified being broken why because everything's meaningless. It doesn't matter. Human life doesn't matter. Listen, we live in a world where we abort over a million babies a year in this country alone. Why? Because everything is meaningless. It doesn't matter. Human life doesn't matter. Why could the Chinese government subject people the way they do? Why did the Russian government, why is Stalin responsible for 60 million deaths? Why, why were the gulags in place? Why Auschwitz? Why the Nazis? Why the Holocaust? Because in a world of, of, of nihilistic, meaningless existentialism, I can say you are no better than a rat in the street and your life doesn't mean anything to me. Why are we treating each other the way we do online these days? Because nothing has meaning. So in a world where there is an economic system such as socialist or socialism, or even an attempt at communism. And I know there's going to be those of you who push back and say, oh, you don't understand. We're talking about democratic socialism. See, there you go, trying to apply things with meaninglessness. You are trying to redefine the word. Historically speaking, socialism always leads to a detrimental situation in society. It ends up in death. It ends up in poverty. It ends up in turmoil. You can't deny that anytime because when that economic system of socialism, that idea that I'm going to use everybody's money to share it in such a way that everybody gets taken care of from free health care to, to food services to uh, uh, food stamps all the way down to, um, again, cradle to grave care. Listen, uh, free college, all of those things. When the money runs out, when the economic system of socialism fails, and it always fails because you run out of other people's money, there's going to be someone that rises to power who has to now fix everything. And that person, you better hope, is benevolent and good, but histor history says that men are evil, they're mean to other men, they're wicked to other men, and man's inhumanity to man always proves that the one with the most power, the one who's willing to inflict the most carnage, who rises to the top because they have been brutal winds up being a wicked despot. So I know there's those of you out there who say, well, you know, if you go back, you, you Christians, y'all need to remember that Jesus was a socialist and Jesus could have been. No, no. 
Jesus wanted you to take care of the poor, but he wanted you to take care of the poor. Jesus wanted the individual to take responsibility to take care of the poor. He never called on the government to take care of the poor. He never called on the collective or the community to take care of the poor. He called on the individual to take up the responsibility. That is exactly opposite of what socialism calls for. Socialism is calling for the collective. And when the collective runs out of money taking care of those who are dependent on the government hit, then it's all going to fall down. A despot is going to rise to power. And how do I know that? Because that is what history has proven time and time again. Now, here we are in America having this discussion because the Democratic Socialist Party in America that has the likes of Bernie Sanders, uh, Rashida Tlaib, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez has risen from about 7,000 to 50,000 active members just in the last few years since 2016's election. So we're seeing something that's growing. Candace said earlier in the episode, we're seeing it because it is getting more widely embraced by a younger generation. It's just a matter of time before the switch gets flipped and everybody begins to have to deal with this situation. So get ready, America. Get ready, America. Um, at the end of the day, if everything's meaninglessness, if everything is meaningless, then uh, it is as Richard Dawkins said. Okay, suppose there's no hope. Suppose there's no justice. Suppose there's nothing but misery and darkness and bleakness. Suppose there's nothing that we would wish for, nothing that we would hope for. Well, too bad, because Russian socialists did more than imagine the godless world that John Lennon sang about. Uh, they built it. They actually built it. And for more than 75 years, the world's atheistic elites had their way with foreign and domestic policy, the military and secret police, the KGB, the economy, race relations, relations, health care, education, the lives of countless of millions of people, and seven decades of un- remitting turmoil, bloodshed, famine, theft, murder, gulags, backwardness, incompetence, and promises of a coming utopia. Listen, that's what a socialist state always brings. There is no utopia. There is no imagine that John Lennon spoke about and sang about. Strictly speaking, socialism is a, just a phase on the way to a utopia that's called communism. That is a dream. It's not a reality. And every sensible person out there knows that that utopia at the end of the day starts to look a lot like Venezuela where people are starving to death and eating garbage. John F. Kennedy said communists... Communists have never come to power in any country that was not disrupted by war, internal repression, or both. But the failure of socialism is not only wholly unjustified confidence in human government, socialism begins with the premises in the antithetical uh, world of, of anti-Christianity, which says there is no God. It's anti-religion. Fyodor Dostoevsky, who wrote The Brothers Karamazov, he said socialism is not merely the labor question it is before all things the atheistic question the question of the form taken by atheism today the question of the tower of babel built without god not to mount to heaven from earth but to set up heaven on earth that is exactly what John Lennon was singing about. So in other words, socialism is a whole lot more than an economic or political question. It's a spiritual question. Because it denies the very existence of the spiritual, therefore there's no accountability. There's absolutely nothing that is going to hold a person on course. So historically, socialist regime, regime, 
sorry, regimes have sought the expulsion of all Christianity from public life. We're seeing that happen today for a reason that is sometimes lost on Christians themselves. Christianity is by its very nature subversive insofar as it teaches that there is a God whose laws supersede those of man, and that's any man. And as theologian, as theologian Francis Schaeffer said generations ago, no totalitarian or authoritarian state can tolerate a people who say that they have an absolute universal standard by which all men and governments are judged. Socialist and fascist regime, regimes well understand that Christians do not recognize the state as the final arbiter of truth. And in a socialist democracy, that absolutely can't exist because socialism and ultimately the collective has to be in control. And when all that fails, it's going to be the dictator, the despot, who's making all the rules there is no god listen (laughs) there's so many things that i could say on this deal there's so many things if you really think if you really think that a society based on this atheistic utopian philosophy such as marxism or socialism you think that that's an original idea in 2020 right now you don't know history You don't understand history. You don't understand the philosophical underpinnings that ultimately lead to tragedy, poverty, death, and murder. We're seeing it in the streets. We're seeing it in the likes of BLM. Black Lives Matter was founded by three trained Marxist individuals. And I say that because they themselves call themselves trained Marxists. What are Marxists? They're people who embrace socialism with the goal of ultimately having communism. And guess what? They have no God that is watching. Everything is meaningless. Therefore, I can burn down your store. I can burn down the community. I can burn down your house because it's all meaninglessness. And I I should be able to rely, and they do, I, I should be able to rely on the government to come in and build that back it doesn't matter i'll just burn it down again and the government will build it back again because it's all meaningless it's all meaningless except to the person who knows what they've invested to build their business but antifa can come out they can throw rocks they can inflict violence they can inflict harm they can protest they can shout f you to the sky and scream and yell because at the end of the day they know that if the system is wrong in their minds and how they interpret it then it's all going to go to crap therefore we have what we have y'all hang tight And I know what everybody's going to say. You're going to say that socialism, well, we have socialism in this country. Uh, We have Medicare and Medicaid and Social Security and all these things. Okay, social programs are not socialism, all right? Every country has social programs, every single one of them. And every country has some form of capitalism as well. Denmark, Sweden, Switzerland, they all have capitalism. In fact, the stuff, they have a huge private sector in those countries. So you can't say that they are true examples of of modern-day democratic socialism. The issue is people, as I said earlier, want to be sucking on the proverbial government tit. Breast. There you go. You can't do that for very long without the milk running dry. So all I'm saying is socialism, socialism, to truly understand it, atheism has to be integral to the system. Meaninglessness has to be integral to the system. I have to be able to make my own rules. And that's why, as I said, by definition, all good socialists, by definition, 
must be atheists. They have to be because socialism is built on a meaninglessness, an existential meaninglessness that I create and give the definition to. So just remember, folks, you'll find that the people who want socialism the most contribute the absolute least. Why? Because they expect to be taken care of by the ones that they have put on the pedestal. It only ends in tragedy, disillusionment, discouragement, depression, and ultimately even in death. It's not what we want, folks. That is not the utopia that we dream of. John Lennon, sorry, buddy, you missed the point. I want you guys to go to blazemedia.com, shop.blazemedia.com, and uh, do a little shopping over there. And also, sign up, blazetv.com slash chad. And, of course, I will always encourage you to go to watchchad.com. That's where all the fun stuff is. And for Candice, the queen of the Ethiopians, Chance the Soulless Ginger Rapper, I'm going to start calling you Kanye West. I am Kanye West. There it is. We love y'all. God bless. We'll talk to you next time. Bye.